0: Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Morrie in high spirits as the easing of lockdown means once again having a co-pilot in the studio, Adrian Logue in the room as we prepare for a conversation that I am really looking forward to. I'll let Logue speak in just a moment, but first, a hint of what you can expect on today's episode, where we are reaching for the stars. The real giants of this game have historically gone by just one name, Jack, Arnold, Tiger, And, of course, the equal of them all on the subject of today's episode, Seve. Paul Daly is an Australian writer and publisher whose latest book is Seve, The People's Champion, a celebration of one of the most revered characters golf has ever known 10 years after his passing. Paul will be along in just a moment, but first, he's champing at the bit with excitement about being back in the big broadcasting chair. It's hello to Adrian Loke. How's that coffee? A hate crime
1: was how you described it last time you were here. Oh, it's it, This is like a hate crime <laughs> that's, that's been left festering in the basement for a, a couple of weeks. It's terrible. It's grown it's got no better at all. The three-month shutdown for that cafe across the road has done them no good at all. <laughs> that's an
0: help them out at, <laughs> at all. Might I say what a treat it is to uh, not have to be dealing with your weird microphone sounds because when you're <laughs> unsupervised off-site, what you gets delivered here... Ken, can you turn a... the heating
2: off? I'm making a noise. <laughs>
0: But luckily, Paul's here to make up for it with some noises of his name. Let's meet today's guest, who we've already heard, I can say with hand on heart. He's one of the game's truly good people. Paul Daly's a gentleman and a scholar, and this is the first of two shameless plugs here. The episode of The Thing About Golf that I recorded with him back in 2019 remains to this day one of my personal favorites. I'll put a link to it in the show notes in case any of you want to have a listen. Paul's books have traditionally focused on golf course architecture, but it will be to the benefit of us all. That he's branched out with his tome about Sevi. Paul, congratulations! A book is no small undertaking. Thanks for taking the time to chat today. Looking forward to uh, digging into the wonder that is Sevi.
2: Thanks very much, uh, Rod and Adrian, for having me on board. And uh, yes, look, Sevi's—it's uh, fantastic subject matter, the, the type that any uh, writer publisher would um, would not often get an opportunity to be involved with. So I take it as a great privilege, um, as part of the. 10 years on campaign, marking the 10th anniversary of Sev's Sad, tragic passing on the 7th of May 2011. Yeah,
0: indeed. Second shameless plug here for me, also for the Thing About Golf podcast, this podcast will be released after episode 52 of the Thing About Golf, which goes out today, an interview I did with Icelandic golf course architect you probably know. Paul Daly, um, Edwin Roald, You'd know oh, yeah. Edwin, I would imagine. Good Edwin, I do from, from Iceland. Very good friend. Yes, yeah, fabulous, f- 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 interesting, former and intelligent guy. Uh, alumni of this past podcast as well. Uh, or the, yeah. the former yeah. ISET golf. I Seek golf. Edwin told me when we did our interview right. last week, his involvement with golf started that he had no connection to the game through family, friends. Had never touched a golf club. He saw Seve on television and took up the game. It's incredibly powerful. He made Paul. it all the way to our podcast. It made it all <laughs> to our yeah. podcast. It's incredibly powerful, isn't mm-hmm. it, Paul?
2: Yes. I'm not surprised to hear that. And Edwin's story or anecdote that he relates mirrors um, millions around the world. Um, he had this power to bring people along to him, to his side, to his to the game. Um, you know, of course, men wanted to be like him. They try to ape, or imitate his swing. Um, regardless of the physical uh, limitations <laughs> yeah, of trying that's to
0: do. Right. yes, so, indeed.
2: Women, of course, um, uh, they found him irresistible, and um, even his opponents that he beat on a regular basis, uh, no one could stay mad at Sev for long, and they 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 loved him. You know, they idolised him. You know, the likes of Nick Faldo and Sandy Lyle, Bernard Langer, Woosnam, mm-hmm. even Norman and. All these rivalries that took place—they um, just loved seven. Um, they loved the, the way he went about it. And I think they had a—they had an empathy with seven. They understood that um, you know, perhaps being expelled from school at the age of twelve is perhaps not the best start in life, but not necessarily
0: a drawback, Paul. You can still make it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and um, you know he. He overcame, he overcame the odds, you know, being a, a son of a peasant farmer, born into modest means, um, being assigned all the shitty jobs on the farm. The other brothers uh, put his way. And uh, anyway, it, it forged a, a certain characteristic, a, a pretty tough man. And um, um, those that knew him would attest to the fact that although he had the angelic uh, face of a choir... He was actually tough as as he was as tough as nails, and um, you know as Norman would uh, tell you, um, he's a type who would um, present, uh, cut out your heart on the first tee and then re-presented back on the 18th green. You know, so um, that's a roundabout way of saying that, as in Edwin Roald Roald, um, in Iceland, Sev really did bring a lot of people to the game, and you may well, I mean. No disrespect to Arnold Palmer or Bobby Jones, Walter Hagen um, and others, he may well be the most popular golfer in the history of the game, you know, including old Tom, young mm-hmm. Tom. Um, yeah. Even now even people, Seve's on their lips the, the whole time. And I, I suspect the Open, the 150th staging at St Andrews next year, uh, which of course has been delayed, but rearranged to, to ensure that the 150th staging is at St Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suspect a very big part of that event will be SEV, in remembrance of SEV exhibitions, displays, and so forth.
0: You may have just heard my phone ring in the background mm. there, Paul, and it's ironic. Very unprofessional. Very unprofessional.
1: My phone, <laughs> of I course, is on Do Not Disturb.
0: It. Well,. Ironically, or perhaps uh, fittingly, it was a phone call from Mike Clayton, and I was just about to mention Clayton. Clayton's played the European Tour in the 80s and 90s, obviously, and he played quite a bit of golf with Seve. He says, Paul, that the players adored Seve. That's the word that he uses, adored. It's an interesting choice, isn't it? Mm.
2: No, I think um, it would be a term normally reserved for a a movie star, Mm -hmm. a model perhaps, but I think in, in Michael's hit it on the nail, adored would not be misplaced. Um, You know, somewhere between adored and idolized, um, in awe. But yeah, I think it's all very apt.
0: Yeah, and and quite unusual. I think we've all seen. It's been doing the rounds again lately. That wonderful video of of Seve hitting that amazing shot at the Open off the downhill lie with a long iron into the fifth, the fifth, the fifth at the the old course. course. And there's Lee Trevino in the background saying, "Touch a class, baby. Touch a class. Yeah, touch a class, baby. That's
2: right. And of course, um, that's a fantastic shot. Great clip." And they remained very close their whole life, of course. The shared Latin um, um, tongue didn't hurt. And, and in fact, it, it, the, in the year 2000 at St Andrews, where they, um, the RNA gathered all living open champions, all past living open champions, including Sneed and uh, uh, DiVincenzo, you know, who have a great age, um, Sev was paired with Trevino and apparently they joked and laughed the whole way around in Spanish.
1: <laughs> Nobody else yeah, would have known. So the, would it was
2: about. the four-hole, the four-hole exhibition yeah. that um, yeah. where the grandstands were completely lined. Yeah, indeed.
1: Interesting. I think they were paired for one of those Peter Alice walk-and-talk sort of celebrity golf things, weren't they? The, it was, they were, indeed. Um, they did one at um, Glen on, Eagles, on, I think, yeah, and, all, and maybe one patients. at the Old Course as well. I, I think, think the Old yeah. Course yeah. is one I
2: remember. Yeah. It was in 1985. Spot on, Adrian. There was, um, in the aftermath of the Open… Um, they stayed on to play a one what they call a one club challenge and yes. um, as it turned out they all selected a five iron yep. was uh, Trevino and sev versus Nick feldo um Nick feldo and I say as it yeah. turned out and yet so there was a match in progress but you wouldn't have known it because all eyes were on sev yeah. uh, throughout the the you know they only played five or six holes uh, much to the chagrin of the spectators. And Seve's putting on a show. He actually held two putts. He was the only person to hold any putts of any consequence, and he did it two ways: uh, by hitting with his five iron, hitting the ball in the belly, getting a nice pure roll, and then just to show he could do it. Putting it left handed. The back as well. <laughs> back, yeah. back Did he thing. hit a
1: big slinging draw on the sixteenth as well? Out over the OB and then yeah, back actually, in. No, I think look, there was on, But it yeah. was
2: on I think it was on the thirteenth actually, Adrian, where he, he he said, I can't get there. It's two five irons. So I'm gonna have to hit two massive hooks. So he hit two big rope hooks
1: yeah.
2: onto the green. And another time the short twelfth, you know, 300 ish. Um He's, he's hit a strategic five iron to a certain spot that allowed him to cut cut the legs from underneath his pitch, you know, from, what, 80, 90, 100 yards or so. He's, he's cut the legs under this pitch, got it to about 10 or 15 feet, and he brought the house down. And um, so he was the only one who, who made a birdie um, out of the group, and uh, and the guys who were finding the old ancient bunkers and mm. No, all, all but unplayable. Or with a five on. <laughs>
1: good good, good luck. luck. Is that a little taste of what you think we'll get in the Brooks versus Bryson match, uh, oh, Paul? Is that that's harsh.
2: That's <laughs> nice. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's going to the- be as
1: engaging as that, do you think?
2: Well, I, look, it's, who knows? There's, the jury's out on that, Adrian. You know, they're either oh,
1: um, the jury's you in know, here,
2: take, taking a leaf out of the World Championship Wrestling Days. We're <laughs> actually best buddies, but for the sake of the audience, let's pretend we're, we're enemies let's uh, get the crowd in and uh, on a marketing sense, it's it's getting everyone talking.
0: <laughs> it's a, well, it's an interesting um, point, isn't it, Paul? Because, and I've, I've lamented this on this, this very podcast before, can you imagine if Seve was born 30 years later, mm. if Seve was one of the top golfers of today and yes, the things yes. he does with the golf? Now, we know the equipment's changed, he would probably be a different sort of player, but you know, Tiger is Tiger in part because of television and the coverage, that the every-shot coverage you receive. We didn't have that in the 80s no. and 90s when Sefi sort of strode the fairways. No. I wonder whether That's that That's adds- going on YouTube clips today. Well, does it add to his legend, Paul? Or does it take yeah, something quite- away, do you think, that lack of um, that lack of footage in some ways? Well,
2: yeah, just on that lack of footage, uh, we'll get to remind me to talk about the 1983 Ryder Cup okay. um, before I forget. Um, lack of footage but um, yeah I think in one way um, it, it, it adds to the allure of him certainly this disappointment that not more of his uh, stuff was uh, visible at the time but it also explains the smorgasbord of people dipping in to see you know um, the lessons that he had with Mac O'Grady it was a fantastic series um, good vi- good vision mm-hmm. good audio you um,
1: Oh I, today speaking of an lessons, absolute Paul.
2: sensation absolute sensation but Seth himself said um just on the technology you mentioned technology he said um I I had the record the the scoring average 68 point something he said today um as he got older and progressively was missing more cuts um, he became um, very nostalgic for the, the days of old and he started tipping buckets on technology and he put forward um the suggestion that his scoring average would have been 1.5 shots lower wow had he had today's equipment and by that he was talking around about 2003 2004 um 7 to 8 years before he passed away um, he he was particularly head. scathing about uh, how any old joe could get the ball up uh, you know with a long iron whereas he felt in his day um the ability to elevate a long iron, such as hitting a long iron into the, you know, the the monster path three at Augusta, the the, the fourth, which in Mm -hmm. his days, his day was a very long iron or, not infrequently it would. And today they're going in there with mid-irons.
0: It was you the know. two ends of the bag, wasn't it, for Seve? It was both that, that that long iron that he could get airborne and that incredible magic he could work with a 56-degree wedge. And both of those things have been removed for the modern player by the addition of the hybrid, which does the work for you, and the 60 and 64-degree wedge, which yes. does the work for you as well. The hands don't that need does, to do well, it. I use the hybrid sure. around the green as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Yes,
2: but, I mean, with Seve's um, creativity, he could turn his – his regular wedge or sand iron into a 64 yep. just by twiddling it and mm. um, he, he had it all covered. But, look, thanks for reminding me about the 83 Ryder Cup, um, about the lost footage. Uh, it's a shot. He played a shot, um, as you may know, playing Fuzzy Zella in the Ryder Cup and um, they're all square and the match is tight. The, the overall contest is tight and they've gone down the last hole. Seve in overstraining, hit a big duck hook into the pot, Zeller straight down the middle. Um, in straining to get out, Seve merely put it for one bunker into another bunker. He's 250 yards from the green. Zella, looking at Seve's obvious bogey or double bogey coming up, says, I only need a little mid-iron, and he hit a beautiful mid-iron down to 100 yards. His par's going to win, win the match. Anyway, so Sev's up against the lip, not quite up against the lip. He did, in truth, he had a slight uphill lie, and you'll see a photo of it. Taken by Brian, um, actually, was Brian Morgan, David Cannon. Oh, I forget right now. But anyway, um, the photo was a little bit deceiving. It makes it look as though Sev is in the middle of the bunker, well back. And it shows Nick Feldo looking on. But anyway, uh, without removing an a nary sand, not one grain, Sev hit this shot, big high cut. Um, so he's going to lose distance anyway with his big high cut, but he carried it 250 yards, eventually um, plugged right at the front of the green, you know, on the apron where the apron meets the green. And people were stunned. Nicholas, he was stunned, but he, when he got his um, thoughts together, he actually nominated it as the greatest golf shot he's ever seen. Um, Nick Feldo was watching it and. Um, was later heard to uh, express, you know, sheer incredulity or incredulity at it, and there was a little bit of a crowd, and one eyewitness said it cleared the bunker lip by no more than an inch. Uh, now, unfortunately, this is not caught on you. Yeah. A lot of the good stuff is, but that's one that was not that's caught, that shot. and um,
1: It was a fairway wood from Bunker a, as well, wood, wasn't it? It, yeah. it was and the a fairway yeah. wood. And a wood. It was
2: wood. Old, yeah. Yeah. trusty Tony <laughs> yeah. Penner. Yeah. 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 His trusty Penner yeah. three wood, and, uh, which he got for well, maybe $100, $150.
1: <laughs> Speaking of lost footage, Paul, you might be able to help me on my quest for this because the, <laughs> our listeners have been no good. But there's a... Useless. Uh, very disappointing, actually. But there's a instruction video that i had as a kid which i I think it was one of those things that was filmed after an open championship where all of the players were over there in the uk and a camera crew went around and did some lessons with them and it was partly there were celebrities at a couple of them sevi there's a 20 minute lesson from sevi it was sort of an exhibition slash lesson paul Connery was in the crowd and on the same tape it was it was at a heathland course yeah, uh, so, Wait, it was something
2: like Walton Heath. Or yeah, it
1: was somewhere like that. and The
2: Berkshire?
1: It, yeah, it, it actually it might have been the Berkshire. It, it looked, down, perhaps? Yeah, so it was at a Heathland course. Seve he, he puts on a 20-minute exhibition which was just magnificent. All of the things from his playbook where he, he gets the four iron yeah. out and chips with the four iron and then then hits like a little slice into his bag 20 metres away from the, with the four iron and all this, demonstrates all these amazing shots. Stomps on a ball in the heather and demonstrates hacking it out. But on the same tape, Seve is the highlight, but on the same tape, it's like a four-hour video. It was one of the, the big ones, you know, with the four-hour video. And yes. And it had- Oh, the
2: old VHS, you get 240 that, that's, minutes. That's, that's right. Crazy.
1: It had Lee Trevino for 30 or 40 minutes giving a clinic, uh, uh, Tom Weiskopf, yes, um, Ben Crenshaw, Seve, wow. and Johnny Miller, it, all on the one
0: tape. Yeah.
1: And are was, you uh,
0: sure? Nobody else has exists. ever heard of this. And it's but called you... the
1: Masters of Golf. And Masters. If I had it, I'd be rich, Paul. I'd be yeah. putting oh, segments of well, that up on, on YouTube, YouTube and I'd be a YouTube millionaire. Well, you,
2: no, no. We'd, we'd join partnerships. <laughs> over, <didn't> we? <laughs> we'd go into production and then uh, <laughs> uh. we'd talk about <laughs> But no, it's, uh, it sounds like a wonderful um, uh, assembly of start It's
0: a very uh, 80s and 90s golf yeah. phenomenon, isn't it? The golf video mm. instruction video, and they come with all sorts of crazy things in packets.
2: Yes, yes, uh, yes. Oh, I'd love to see it, uh,
1: Adrian. Well, you've disappointed me that you...
0: Don't well, he lost it. it. This so. is the problem. He lost it years ago, and he's never been able to find anybody who's got a copy yeah. of it, so nobody's no, even sure it exists.
1: I've got a few videos, but
0: not that one. Not, uh, not that one. We're going to come to the book in a moment, Paul, we're going to talk about the book, and we're going to tell people how they can get the book and a special deal on the book shortly. And this is maybe an unfair question to ask you, but I wonder if you've got any thoughts on this. You've clearly given Seve in particular a lot of thought. Yeah. He had what I think we would call charisma, almost an overbearing yep. charisma. It, what it, is that? Yep. Do you know? Have you given that any thought? What is that? This charisma. Yeah, is that common. that almost uh, physical response that you have. To, I, I've had it in the room with Greg Norman, where he yeah. walked in well, they
1: and feeling a, yeah, a little bit yeah. of it now. Just admit it. it right. It's a good point, and
2: I, um, he had the. It's an unmistakable um, quality, very, very, very hard to describe. But you're aware of it if you're in its presence. Yeah, it's powerful, isn't
0: it? It's, it? It really uh, does powerful. have an effect <laughs> Look, on
2: you. Those that follow politics say that J.F. Kennedy had Mm -hmm. the same thing. You couldn't take your eyes off him. Um, And in every field and endeavour there's charismatic characters. I I think I may have touched on it sometime earlier at the start of the podcast that women found him irresistible, Mm -hmm. men gravitated towards him. Um, People empathised with him. They wanted wanted him to win. Mm -hmm. They wanted to share in his celebration. I mean, of course, Palmer was the master of this with, you know, two ways. Of course, he hitched up those trousers and mm. then everyone started hitching up their trousers. <laughs> yes. And the rather masculine manner that he flared his nostrils <laughs> before exhaling, it just um, drew people towards Palmer. And there was that everyday nature mm. about both he and Sev that I guess the galleries could relate to. Mm. Um,
0: I've often you know, I've, I've wondered this, and I think it's similar with Tiger. To me, the real highlight of Tiger is when Tiger's done something to impress himself, there's a childlike joy mm, from a grown yes. man worth hundreds of millions of dollars that sure. you don't see from other professionals. You see it with Seve too. You can almost see him hit a shot and look to the crowd as if to say, none of you can do that. Only no, I can right. do that, and I'm yeah. reveling in it, you know? Yeah,
2: I think in service, um in Tiger's case, we saw that come out with the the famous twirl of the club.
0: Mm. Just you
2: just knew when he's twirling, that ball was close. Yeah. Um, yeah. With Sevi, he would do things. He would put on certain facial expressions, um, um, furrow, you know, and he would he would tell you when he's hit a bad shot mm-hmm. with the the furrowing of the brow. That um, his chest would puff out with used to exhilaration when he hit a yeah. good shot, and you know. Uh, I mean, excuse the expression, but Sev was a very good-looking rooster, so mm. that was part of the appeal.
0: Doesn't hurt, does it?
2: Um, he dressed well. He, he dressed simply but well, stunning. You Invariably, you'd see him bring out the navy blue outfit on the fourth round. It was um, uh, a, a big part of He was highly superstitious. Uh, of course, like a lot of professional golfers, he would never use the ball number three. Uh, lest it uh, lead to a bout of three putting and and there were a whole lot of other superstitions that uh, that he had yeah what 's charisma? Um uh gee, I wish I wish I knew what it was, yeah,
0: and there's I
1: was that, Paul.
2: and I wish I had it <laughs> yeah, and I wish yeah. I had it more importantly. Yeah, lovely, <laughs> lovely,
1: lovely, it? a part of the formula for Sevy was surely just how authentic he was, yeah like in the same era, Norman had enormous charisma, but yes. there was a always a bit of a pretense about it. There was always a performative aspect to it with Norman
2: I like um, you that there's no authenticity about yeah. Sev, and that's why um in between traveling around the world as the world traveler. Um, taking, you know, on board the example set by Gary Player as the first world traveller. Sev would go back to Padrina, the village of Padrina, as citizen Sev, and he would uh, move around the the little village, um, free, idolised, of course, but allowed to be himself, and he he, he brought everyone in the township along with him. They didn't overly interfere with his um, peace of mind and, you know, autograph. They, they were respectful. But every time he won, of course, the church bells and padrina would uh, chime. And um, so it chimed uh, over 90 occasions, uh, 50 in, for European wins and uh, over 40 around the rest of the world, um, including all parts. But... Um, I digress there a little bit. Sorry.
0: That's all right. They must have dreaded when he came to Australia, Paul, because that would mean the church bell ringing in the middle of the night when he won here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd ring out at 3 a.m. and wake everybody up. Because
2: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. No, look, you've touched on something, Sev. Particularly in the first half of his career, um, he loved Australia. He came here regularly, uh, not so often to New Zealand, although he won in New Zealand. He won the 1977 Otago Charity. Um, set a set a record score there. Um, it's interesting little tournament over there, but it had a, a long history of attracting headliners like um, you know Johnny Miller,
1: Billy yeah, Cat- Miller played there, yeah, uh, right. Tom
2: Weiskopf, Sam J- Jumbo
1: Ozaki played, Jumbo, yeah. that, Bruce Caddie, yes, right. for him in that year. Yeah,
2: that's it. And even even of all people, Mister Lou uh, went to a and so Seve won that week. But he, of course, he he won the um, uh, the eighty one. Australian PGA, the main Nicholas PGA Championship, and um, he, he loved Royal Melbourne. He played there three times, um, 78, won, of course, by Hale Irwin after the course record 64 or 65, 64, 65. Um, and um, Seve so was third to him. He came third to him in the 78 event, didn't play in the 79. Torrance, Sam Torrance won in in. 80 and Sev was, he chased him all the way to the final hole. In fact, Sev had a putt on the 72nd hole at Royal Melbourne to just increase the pressure on um, Torrance. But anyway, he missed, missed narrowly, and then Torrance had two putts from fairly short range to win. And that was a very popular win. And even today, Sam credits it as um, just about as, um, the best win he ever had. And then he came back the, the following year and, and won. Um, he won in, in 1981 after a very poor start, um, 73, uh, actually 74 in the first round. And then towards the the latter part of the second round, looked as though Sev was going to miss the cut. And he got active and pulled off some fantastic shots, got in with 147, made the cut, and then um, blitzed them in the third round with the 66 and, Came home with 69 to win and um, so at that stage he ticked off Australia as yet another um, country that he'd won the National Open. And just on that just on that point, it's, um, he had a big thing for world travellers who could win National Opens and that's why two of his heroes were Gary Player mm-hmm. um, and Roberto Di Vincenzo um, because he noted that they'd won so many National Opens and weren't rooted just in South Africa, mm. or just in Europe, or just in uh, America. And in fact, he, he, of player, he thought that um, he rated player very highly. Um,
1: be, being paired with player in the nineteen seventy eight Masters in the final round, watching player win that Masters was a, left a huge impression it, it on Correct, I saw him it to,
2: firsthand. Yeah, he saw it firsthand. Player coming home in thirty for sixty four. Um, as the same score, the Nicholas, um, of course, Nicholas came home in sixty-five, but coming home in thirty on the back nine, and yet only two hours prior they were more or less tied, mm. M- more or less tied, and um, so that was a huge lesson. And, um, and
1: Sevy's joy for player on the eighteenth green was evident. It just mar- evident. marvelled it at what he saw and
2: better in the book and. Yeah. He came off and he shook you. And that's the thing with Sevi, he would shake your hand, look you directly in the eye and then utter a, a meaningful comment. Um, uh, and he said, basically, you taught me how to win Masters in future with his faltering English. Mm-hmm. Of course, he went on to speak very good English. But um, by 19, 1978, it was still on still on the upslope of getting better. Um, so that was a great lesson. But... The, the connection with player went all the way back um, six years prior to 1972 when um, very famous resort today la manga um, in in spain was opening uh, today it's got um, anyway <laughs> they opened it but they up they didn't have any caddies so they there was a big um, search throughout spain um, madrid uh, barcelona and even up into the northern beaches you know places like padrina and Sev, um, because Sev was boss cocky of the caddies, um, he'd won the, he went on to win the first flight caddy championship four years in a row. Uh, it started in the third flight. He won that, got elevated to the second flight. Strangely enough, didn't win the second flight, but did well enough to be elevated to the first flight, and he won it four years in a row. So uh, as uh, boss cocky of Padrina, um, he was selected in 1972. Remember, he was born in 57, so he was 15. 14, 15, say. Yeah. Um, he was transported, it was his first trip ever out of Padrina, big bus trip, uh, maybe bus and train. And he ended up catting for player in 1972 at the opening of La Manga. Um, and he was just mesmerized by player, particularly his ability out of sand. Um, and he went on to say in his autobiography that he he really thought highly of him. Um because of his global success, uh, and because he was the first you know great player that he ever saw. but um so that's a great story. Sev caddying for player. mention that mm.
0: did, oh, I've never heard that story? No, I've never, never heard, heard that. player yeah. talk about it. did player ever talk about that or remember that?
2: I'm oh sure. yes the player talked about um, he player was um, inconsolable throughout Sevy's um, bad health with um, the brain tumor and so on polygocystoma, systema and um, no he he spoke about it. He spoke oh, yeah, they were yeah. very close.
1: Yeah. If it was some sort of world record, like if he's uh, I have had more future champions <laughs> caddy for me then. than any <laughs> other
0: play. any other <laughs> would put that on my <laughs> own resume. Yes, indeed.
1: Indeed.
0: <laughs>
2: that's that's great. Yeah. What's interesting you talk about caddies, I mean um, caddy uh, Seve had a, a, a bad rap on him throughout his, uh, his career for being fairly, fairly tough on, on caddies. But um, a lot of the caddies brought it on, on themselves because before any engagement was made, Sev fully ex- outlined his expectations and it was more than just turn up, mm. keep up and shut up. Um, and those caddies who couldn't abide by his expectations, they fell by the wayside at a fairly regular rate. But there were four who stood out who lasted the distance and he had a, a very good relationship with Dave Musgrove, Ian Wright, Nick DePaul and possibly his favourite caddy, Billy Foster. They were the four big ones. But actually, um, Sev, Sev said that um, he loved his three brothers caddying for him as well, um, Vicente, um, Manuel and Baldomero. Um, Boldemiro of course, named after Sev's father and... Um, Manuel, of course, who was named after the fifth. There was another sibling known, um well, doesn't get a lot of type, but unfortunately in the days when a bee sting could be fatal and the medicines weren't around, um, Sev lost a young brother, oh, he might have been two or three or four years of age, to a bee sting of all things. Wow. And so the um, Mr and Mrs um made a commitment that the next born would be named Manuel, uh, which was the name of the young boy who died. Wow, but sorry, I've digressed
0: again. No, not no, at all. But no. I,
2: just I do tend to digress a little bit. Sorry.
1: <laughs> that's what's one of the joys of chatting with you, Paul. Mm. The thing about Sevi is that you don't get any of this from his Wikipedia page. <laughs> no, it's all about the stories with Sevi and the personal experiences that people had with him, and I think that's what. Create some of the fascination more than the golf achievements. Decades is that later, what is that what you're saying? Yeah, oh, the golf so achievements yep. were remarkable, but the the interactions and the shots he hit, and mm. you know the story yeah. of the caddying with caddying for Gary Player and, yeah. and the hugging Player on the in the '78 Masters and after his victory, and yes. the slinging yeah. draw in the one club challenge, and and the hitting through the little gap at Sorrier. Yeah. It, it was <laughs> all these little stories are what makes the legend.
2: Oh. They do, and and people connect. Felt a connection. Everybody had their own personal connection to Seve, and uh, you know you can't say that of many many of the great champions.
0: No, and I expect-
2: think we can we can call Seve a champion. I mean, the word champions over overly used. The word legend overly used. Not in this. But case, I, I think yeah. he was a he was a champion champion golfer, and he was school to win. He loved to win. Um, he didn't enjoy coming second or third. Mm. Sure, he missed a lot of cuts, but um, when he was on, he was really on.
0: It's a shame you're not here in the studio with us, Paul, because Logue's just made a buffoon of himself by unplugging his headphones. We've got him plugged <laughs> back in now. but I was, I was doing some his, expressive uh, motion with, with my foot. his foot, foot. <laughs> yes, that's exactly oh, the right. Oh, it just shows that um, <laughs> um, you, you
2: know, th- <laughs> you've had a reaction to seven. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's right.
0: That's exactly right. Now, Paul – it's an extraordinary decision to make to write a book about a bloke that all sorts of other people have already written books about. Many of the stories that we've talked about today, I've not heard the one about him caddying for Gary Player, obviously, but many of those stories are familiar. It's one of the joys of them. I think it's one of the joys of the masters every year. It's familiar to us. It's like a pair of old slippers, isn't it? You want to hear the stories over yes, and over yes. and over again. But then you've decided to write a book and climb into a space that's already full. what was the thinking there yeah. And what, Look, um, what do we find in your book that we might not find in others, or perhaps that makes it different?
2: Um, my book's a little bit more recent. They, they, there's been some very good books uh, written by Dudley Doust and Lawrence and John. And, um, They're just
1: practice runs, Paul, don't come on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the uh, I, I've adopted a 50 um, 50 mentality in that. But um, 50% of it is over, uh, well, around 300 images. At least half of them have never been published before. I've searched high and wide and accessed collections. Um, I think that's a new aspect. Um, but it would probably stand on its own if it was just a textbook on SEV without any photos. It's, um, it would be a vastly large book without any photos. Um, we've traced his career, all the highlights, but there's a lot about the lowlights as well um, that others perhaps may not go into. Um, we look about the tournaments he played in and his role um, as he connected to his rivals, um, his roles with um, officialdom, uh, some of the disputes he, he was embroiled
0: in. Um, he didn't. He didn't mind a clash with authority. Did he?
2: He didn't mind. Yeah, <laughs> no, look, he he had. He was. He, he stood his ground, and mm-hmm. um, there was a, any number. Um, you know, most famously, the dispute with Dean Beeman. Um, playing in America and limited. You know the the, um, the um, minimum number of required tournaments um, to play on there. Of course, so Sev did play in America, but. Um, that was later in life when there was a compromise, but mainly he he was the big flag bearer for the European tour and so his sojourns to America mainly for the majors and some of the more important tournaments. But um, sorry, I've digressed here. What makes this book differently? Look, this is not, um, it's it's fairly, it's it's broad. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a warts and all account because there are things uh, surrounding the life of Sev that you can't put in a book um, that are- and you can't necessarily put in a podcast that are perhaps best <laughs> reserved for um, a discussion at the 19th hole. But um, it's comprehensive. Um, I-, I think it's probably going to be for others to, to suggest mm-hmm. the difference, but it's moved on. It has moved on dramatically. Also, there's a lot of new information that, um, that's come out after the release of those books, those earlier books, um, you know, in the late 90s onward uh, to his passing. Um, you know, the BBC Lifetime Award, um, naming an airport after him. So, got lots of stories um, that coincide also with the 10 Years On campaign, um, you know, the Sand Art giant oversized mm-hmm. rendering of SEV it was extraordinary West Ends, yeah. which is extraordinary, isn't it? You know, forward of and well to the right of the first um, this So there's just so many um, initiatives, um, exhibition at St Andrews, the documentary. Uh, David Cannon's uh, just released a fantastic mm-hmm. book on SEV um, and the RNA have put together other initiatives. Um, look... <laughs> I think people get a very good feel for the Ryder Cup. Um, In this book, um, there's extensive coverage uh, on all of the ones that he was involved in, both as a player and, um, you know, for instance, the 1997 one at Valderrama um, where he was captain. There's a 10-page feature on that and I'm very proud of that.
0: Captain Chaos, I think, we would be fair to say.
2: <laughs> look, Captain sport. Chaos, look, let's just say, yeah, it's a very good thing. <laughs> There's no doubt about it that um, there was a three- to four-year build-up to get it there because it was going to go to other clubs, but he, he truly inserted himself into yeah. the picture. And he later explained that there was a good reason for that. There were quite a few rookies on the team. Um, but some of the older uh, players certainly at times didn't appreciate they felt that his advice went a little bit too far and, you know, in particular Colin Montgomery and Ian Woosnam had words with Sev and <laughs> suggested that he toned it down a little bit.
0: Um, Quintessential and- sevy though, really, wasn't it? When yeah. you think about but it sevy in hindsight, was Seve. That was sevy.
2: Sevy was sevy. If it was and any he- other
0: way, it mm-hmm. wouldn't have been right. No, <laughs>
2: no he, he played every shot. He yeah. played every shot and, you know, just on that, um, in the 1991, you know, accounted Kiwa Island. Um, that uh, unfortunately has been—it's coined the, the war by the shore—and it was—it went all the way down to the wire with Bernard Langer and Hale Owen and um, Seve and his wife Carmen were watching Greenside and uh, on the 18th when um, well a putt was conceded that was perhaps slightly beyond the the circle of friendship. Um, that uh, Bernard Langer gave Erwin, uh, and the cameras panned straight to Sevi, who's recoiled. And <laughs> so, look, he was very competitive. Um, and um, But, you know, he, he, what you saw is what you got with Sevi, and he had that connection. He had the connection, as you say, the charisma. I wish I could express it better, but he had it. It wasn't manufactured. It was not manufactured, and we've seen examples over the years in all fields and and endeavors when it's manufactured, it falls flat on its face, doesn't it? It
1: does. Langer, of course, went on to hit the losing putt in that uh, Kiowa Island. uh, Yeah, look,
2: he was dead stiff, wasn't he? Yeah, he had those two spike marks in his line at at during an era when they just couldn't be they couldn't be tramped down. The, The world cameras were on it. And so, he um, still
0: can't believe that it missed. In no. fact, most of us who watched it still can't believe <laughs> that it missed. Every time indeed. you see it, it's like one of those moments. Yeah, you know, there are grand finals that you watch the river. You still can't believe they you lost. Can't yeah. believe
1: it, it was yeah. a good, <laughs> he, he <laughs> a good a, <laughs> It
2: was a pretty good putt. Yeah, um, the '96 Masters.
0: It, you can't believe Norman didn't win uh, that. You, you watch it now, you still can't believe it. It's just extraordinary.
2: No, that, it's, it's no that's right. You just um indeed. You just can't you just can't believe it. Now, know, what that Larry Myers, was? What's that Larry Myers chip? But.
1: How does that go uh, in?
2: There was another one for Seve, of course. Sevi made the, lo- yeah. the loneliest yeah. walk of his life, you know. Almost the, the beginning 80s. of the
1: that end one. for Seve there. Yeah, that's that, true, actually. That missing that putt on 10 in the playoff was uncharacteristic. Mm-hmm. And
2: you know, it, the evening shadows and uh, yeah. uh, Eve, again, he said, I hit a good putt, but um, he was distorted. The the time of the the evening and the evening shadows just distorted everything.
1: It was never. It was never quite the same. It the seemed sobbing as that. he left the court Yeah, made
2: reference sobbing. to that, Adrian, that he mm. he was inconsolable as he trudged up the the steep hill up the tenth, but and he was never the same. And he was he, from that point on, he became susceptible on short mm. putts. He became human like everyone else. Mm. And
1: um, his mane had been trimmed in a small mm. way. His
2: mane had been trimmed, yep.
1: yeah. One one but, cut as well. The four iron into the water on fifteen in eighty six. That really, and then and the one the my one of my enduring memories of that Masters actually is when Sevy was still a chance on the seventeenth and had a long putt and blew it by the hole. No, I think like twelve foot. He might have ended up three putting, but as the ball was passing the hole, he waved at it. That was yeah. he, he knew he knew, and he just started acknowledging the crowd, and the crowd yeah. was very generous. He
2: was. He, he didn't. He didn't. Um, he didn't keep shtum. No. Um, like some of the top American, he he let you know what he was mm. thinking. He wore it on his sleeve. Yep. And literally later in life, he did wear his tattoo on his sleeve, his company company logo. Yeah. Um, so yeah. taken from David Cannon's evocative photo, where he circumna- sevy circumnavigated the 18th green uh, with a series of fist pumps. That's yeah. probably the most celebrated. Um, fist pumps in the history of the game, I would think. But again, clever Sev, not manufactured. He wanted to include mm. everyone at St Andrews in that victory. So he he took his time with those fist pumps to all yeah. points of the compass.
0: Yeah. Extraordinary. There's been a few who've had that charisma there. And, and Arnold Palmer's the other one I think of who, even through the camera, you can feel, it. even watching Sevy so on YouTube on a phone. Yeah. You can yeah. see it. You can feel it the, because he's authentic and real. I get that yeah. about Tiger sometimes with some of his actual moments of, of great yeah. joy. But, yeah. but a lot of the time, Tiger's much more confined. And Sevy may have been too if he was alive in this era as well. A lot more
1: it's media it, scrutiny, he, um, isn't
0: it? Um,
2: uh, look, Sevy, no doubt, like a record, he, 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 he shone through the grooves. Mm. Um, you know,
1: if you put him in really a lineup. Did,
2: but he, he was not... By nature, he was not a gregarious outward... Talk. He was slightly introverted, Sev, and mm. he, he really did enjoy his own company. Um, and it was one of the problems in the early days where, um, uh, through his good friend Roberto De Vincenzo, he was signed up with Ed Barmer and UMI. Um, Ed Barmer, Ed Barner he took, Sev, here, there and everywhere, late-night parties and functions, and it wore very thin on him and, before too many years had passed, he did everything in his powers to get out of the contractual arrangement with Eddie Barmer and UMI.
1: Um, so it, it wasn't um, not, talking, not talking about the '80s supergroup UMI. <laughs> No. That. no, that's
0: okay. right. right. <laughs> okay. Um, or an inner Sydney grunge brand. Were they UMI? Right. I'm pretty sure. I'm of my yeah. Hendo was into UMI.
2: Ed Barner's problem was not so much that he was not successful, but if anything, he was too successful. He got lots of contracts. And it actually caused a problem for, for about five to seven years And that Sev as a world traveller would go to these different continents and he'd have to make do with different clubs and balls, you know, like – whether it's um, you know, Slazenger somewhere or Sounder or um, you know, different makes and Maxfly Maxfly in, in Japan, and um, there's a beautiful photo, and I have it, but I, I unfortunately couldn't get it into the book, where he's, he's on the practice fairway and he's looking down at the balls and the bag and he's scratching his head and thinking, now, where am I? What continent am I? What clubs am I using? What compensations do I have to make? And um, if there's ever a reprint, I'll uh, I'll make sure I put it in. But, no, so he could he could adjust, and he had to adjust. Yeah.
0: Yeah, indeed. Well, it was a different time, wasn't it? <clears throat> that great era where we had Nicholas Palmer and Player play here in Australia, so yeah. often particularly Nicholas, much, most of that was tied to business deals to do with club sales. Yes. Uh, yeah. Here in Australia. Sure, they like to come here and play and all the rest of it, but the, uh, it was the appearance fee. Deal of the day, uh, wasn't it? it was, mm. You'd come in, mm. you'd play with this set of golf clubs, which would be sold in shops in Australia, and people would go and buy them because that's what Jack Nicholas used. So. Yeah.
2: yeah. Even even 30 or 40 years later, Nicholas still still talked and wrote about the, the hot Australian small ball, the hot Australian oh. small ball <laughs> that you thought <clears> it would <throat> go forever
0: be unthinkable, <laughs> that sort of arrangement in this day and age, where players can now afford to not have a club endorsement, should they so choose yeah, the books kept coming, yeah. and use right. Uh, what,
2: yeah, That's right. How, um, it's, come,
0: full how circle. it's come
2: full circle. Yeah, and, full uh, circle I mean, there's another topic there. You know, what incentive is there to improve and, and, and get to the top if, um, uh, if there's just tremendous money in making the cut and having a – you know, 15th or 17th finish.
0: Nicholas has said it himself, hasn't he, that one of the worst things to happen to the Tour in many ways was the all-exempt yeah. top 125. It breathed yep. mediocrity. Yep. Mediocrity. Good point. They've just yep. announced Good. now okay. you you'll get – if you're a PGA Tour player, Paul – and you fulfil the rule of paying fifteen events, which is the rule. You can't not play fifteen events a major. They'll give you fifty thousand bucks from yeah, next year. That's
2: what I mean. Oh, so you get f- extraordinary, yeah,
0: fifty grand
1: just to be a member. Doesn't that seem like a lot, actually. I'll tell,
2: tell you what. I mean, you know. um, uh, yeah, I know. It's as <laughs> from where I mean, I'm sitting. It's it's hard to it's hard to reconcile. It's hard to relate to. Um, yeah, you
0: wonder about, about the future uh, of it, Paul. The the appeal of that to the sure. fan is limited in some ways. I think there's a yeah, – yeah. you'll start to see – There's perspective the big
2: stories within all of that, isn't there, Rod and Adrian? And, mm-hmm. um,
0: players, 20, mi- is, $20 million for the, for the players' purse. 20000000 million, they've just announced, is the players' purse. And, yeah, mm-hmm. the winner yeah. will get $5 million plus.
1: Goodness one, gracious.
0: One win. So that's like a 125-man yeah. lottery.
1: Still can't buy yeah, every yeah. week. Still can't buy major status. No, you can't. <laughs> Sorry. No, of course no. you can't.
0: Although you wonder whether, and this is we're off track here, well and truly. This I I'll, think I'll bring it back on track. This I think is the problem for this generation of golf uh, administrators, those who are leading the tours and whatnot, is that it, it, the majors may actually lose their luster if we're not careful. Yes, it's possible, and that'll be a generational change. But it's it's possible, and self, those who say no, no, no it, it'll never happen. That's a danger. That's a real danger. There's Not not far off in the future as a player who's going to be told by a sponsor when the time comes, no, no, you'll play this ball, and if that means you can't play in the Masters, then so be it. That's going to be – it's going to happen at some point. So, mm. Anyway, bring us back mm. on track a well, Yeah,
2: let, look, Rod, um, uh, let's hope that doesn't happen, but um, I'm sure there are forces that would uh, like it to happen um, that uh, hopefully don't get their way.
1: Well, you know, of course, Sevy didn't play a lot in the States and never had never really sat well with him playing. No. I don't think he ever felt comfortable over there. And did golf lose an opportunity there? Like almost every other sport has their yeah, – well, not almost every other sport, but a lot of other sports established their premier tour in Europe. And golf somehow – What sports are you thinking of? What do you mean by that? Well, F1, soccer. F1 a sport? Well, let's have that discussion later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, soft, soft, yes, it's, it's, I'm going to get a, a they're, message they're, from Matt Mollica upset with you about F1 Erf- again.
2: Long rivalry, um, rivalry between the European Tour and the, the US Tour, you know, for for supremacy and you know. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, there's so much we could say about it, but I think from a pure playing point of view, you know, playing on the muddies, so-called muddies of Europe, um, as Seve did makes you a, a more rounded player. and
0: uh, Well, nobody does uh, it anymore, though, Paul. It's a stepping stone to Europe. And, and they're now, of course, they're united against a common enemy, the PGA Tour and the European Tour. It's, it's a seismic shift in the mm. professional golf world, which has happened quite quietly. But the ramifications for that will be with us for generations. We don't know mm. whether that's going to be a good or a bad thing, but there are big shifts happening at the top of professional golf, both men's and women's, mm. that, will, mm. that will really set the – path for the future of the professional game for the next generation of players. And it's mm. it's a very interesting time, a really yes,
2: interesting time. Yes, I'm sure you're right. And um. Um, we'll certainly be tuning into talking golf and other
0: <laughs> Very
2: kind. Uh, but, uh, I mean, gee, talking about the, the recent events at um, Whistling Straits, um, the shellacking, uh, America, they all turned up in brilliant form. They they performed Won wonderfully well, and they deserved the big win. But it just shows yet again how how much Sev is missed. Um, uh, you know, someone a life force to 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 g up the, the g up the fellow European players and get them playing for the team. I mean, Sev Sev had done that on several occasions. I think no more successfully than 1995, where his game was really is. In steep decline mm. And he couldn't find the the fairway His driving was shambolic And of course The keen followers of Sev will know that um, Gallantly he went to his um, Captain and volunteered to, to go out Against America's top At the time was Tom Lehman moment, yeah. Remember that era when he was He was so good he was in the final group Of the US Open, three years running <clears throat> And of course won in 96 at Lytham But um, he said, look, there's some chance I'd lose to anyone, um, but they might just possibly take out their top player. I want Lehman. And Sev <laughs> proceeded to hit this first drive 100 metres, clattering into the trees, and this went the whole way around. And as recently as the ninth hole, there was only one one, the difference. Sev's chipping in. He's chipping close. He's hitting over trees under the greens. Lehman's, you know, lipping out for birdies. And uh, progressively as they go through, um, Lehman's shaking his head in utter disbelief at <laughs> what's happening. Now, that, couldn't, that madness could not go on. And in time, mm-hmm. uh, he, he ran out of four and three victory. But word spread like wild, wildflower throughout the European team of what amazing things were happening um, in that match. And it galvanised the European team. And they freely admit that Seve's loss, Albeit a heroic one, the, way the attitude he brought to that particular match um, was instrumental in their big win at, at um, um, Oak Hill.
0: That is authentic, isn't it? The, the mm. risking just complete humiliation mm-hmm. for the, the the bigger cause of the team. That, there's an authenticity about that that you might not find in yeah a lot of yeah. um, players. That's yeah, that's real lambs to the. Mm. It was, it's, I think, heroic and yeah. You know,
2: just, uh, But Sevy you know, he could occasionally be seen as um, selfish, but he actually had the his fellow players' um, best interests at heart. And I'll back that up with, on at least two or three occasions over his career in Europe, he would um, hold counsel with the administrators and say, listen, how about preferred lights? This course is it's not holding up too well. have got a big final round tomorrow. You wouldn't want, um, say, the outcome to be decided by, so on the final fairway, um, semi-plugging and having a, a mud-covered ball, and then veering anyway. So he, he would, and he successfully talked um, officials into conferring preferred lies on at least two or three occasions. And on one of them, he won. <laughs> on one of those occasions, <laughs> he won the tournament. It's but
0: he um, talked officials around more than once in several yeah. different situations.
2: Paul. Yes, <laughs> because as a fish, you know, I mean, his. Uh, relationship with um, the European head, Parama, Parama, Paramore, uh, yeah. Ian Paramore, and John Uh was legendary, and um, you know went for a long time. But Paramore had great respect for Sevi. Yeah. Um, Sevi didn't necessarily feel that at all times, <laughs> um, but because um, uh, he, he would be intimidating, of course, you know? and
0: he would he, use that. Yeah, he used knew getting his own and way. He would use it. Yeah.
2: You know, that. it was a legitimate. Yeah, 15th sure. club in his bag. Yeah. Um, but actually he had a sixteenth club in his bag that not so many people know about, but it's in the book. Get another plug for the book there. Um the sixteenth club was the silent treatment. <laughs> <laughs> he could give he give you the silent treatment like there was no tomorrow. In yeah. fact, he did so famously against um uh, Dennis Durnium, um in the uh the Epson, European Epson Grand Prix. Match play championship held in Wales and, uh, you know, unfortunately, Sev didn't play much in Wales. In fact, it took him, he'd been a pro for 15 years before he played in Wales. Uh, this particular week, um, he went through the field like butter and r- was reportedly 40 to 45 strokes under par for the week, you know, given all the usual ifs and buts and concessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, of course, yeah. You don't hole out. But anyway, so he's playing Dernium in in the final, and um, he probably he finds the first with a big, big drive down the middle. And there's a big tree between Seve's ball and the green. And uh, what he could have done was orchestrate another one of those big rope hooks out towards, and then back on the green or near the green. But he said no. He took dead aim, went straight over the trees with the three wood, and he hit it to a foot. This is in the final, it's a, it's a it's a pretty big opening statement. He hit it to a foot. Um he won that hole on the second within you know <laughs> within fifty minutes he's four up after four and he's going on to a massive win. Um, and then he just momentarily let down his guard and he started noticing that Dunham was starting to relax a bit and get a bit back into the picture. And um, seven consultation with the case said, That's it, no more. Out comes the sixteenth club, the silent treatment. Um, which sent um, Durnham back into a semi-panic and uh, the match was then soon over. Much but, um, yes, yeah, silent treatment. You've,
1: you've brought... Sorry, almost, I've digressed again. Not at all, I've not at all. Again, It's fun to digress, though, it, isn't it? Well, it's, it's the whole, what it's all about with Seve, I think. Is and the, it's what that's podcasts are about, isn't? too.
0: That's right. You don't get to do this on radio. Right. We're in lots of other formats, but in podcasting, you can. You've almost brought us full circle in a funny way by accident there, Paul, because, in fact, I discussed with Edwin when I interviewed him the other day, he was talking about Seve... That match that you've just outlined yeah. is the one that he remembered right. seeing, and oh. I said to him, "Oh, was it at Wentworth?" And he said, "I don't think so, but it might have been. I can't really remember where." Dennis Dernian was the name that he mentioned, so I'm going to—I'll guarantee you that that well, those that? shots that you've just described and that whole thing that played out—that's what launched Edwin Ryle's career. Fantastic in the game. It's
2: just that right? oh, fantastic. That's a lovely. That's a lovely. That's lovely to hear that. Just about brought us full circle.
0: It, it has indeed. <laughs> However, we haven't yet. Now, there we all know there are SEVI files in the world, and it's understandable yes. people who are obsessed with SEVI, and many of yes. them will buy your book. Uh, there is an early bird offer... For those who want a copy of your book, which will, based on your previous books you've produced, your architecture books, which are well, be- t- to call them books, is the equivalent of saying that Roger Federer plays a bit of tennis. It's <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> understating things, the beauty and the quality of the books. And I imagine this one will be some of the same. There's an early bird offer, Paul. Yeah. Tell early people, bird. tell people yep. what the book will yeah, cost them if bird. they wait no. till it's printed, and tell them what they'll get if they give you an email, send you an email, which will be in the show notes, and I'll read out in a minute before it gets printed.
2: Yeah. Look, there's two incentives, um, Rod and Adrian, uh, to become an early bird special. Anyone who buys the book before it's printed gets their name listed in the front of the book uh, in what I'm calling the subscriber's page. Slightly a misnomer because it's a double-page spread, but we'll use the word term page. And it's a page that um, everyone around the world who buys a book gets to view it. Um, it's not everybody who buys the book, but it's everybody who buys the book pre-printing. The, the other thing, of course, is, is there's a discount involved. As you can probably imagine, there's a printing bill to be waiting to mm-hmm. be met. So uh, I'm giving everybody a $60 discount um, down from $225 to $165, and then of course we'd add on postage. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone in Australia would would probably whack on $15 outside Australia, Ooh, $50. Yeah, could,
0: could good could also. Go so,
2: yeah, planet, in yeah, incentive, and, and that's um, these are names that um, in due course will be read by the and viewed by the Sev Belastiris Foundation um, in Spain. They take great interest in these things, and, of course, the books is fully supported by the, the foundation. Um, not only that, but I'd probably be doing myself a disservice if I didn't mention the name. Gonzalo Levine, um, who was Sev's golf course design partner for 25 years um, at Trajectory Golf Design, Sev's golf uh, firm. Uh, he's He poured over the manuscript, Gonzalo, and he's given it top marks. He, he actually said some nicer things than that, but um, uh, he, he said it's highly commendable and he hopes everyone buys it. And um, he, he he felt that this might move a lot of people to tears. The the actual book, so um, there's a little bit of an insight into it. So I was delighted to get that um, recommendation from Gonzalo. And of course, um, in honour of Sev Sev's love of the magnolia tree species, um, that company has been renamed, and the same staff plus others appear for magnolia golf design
0: mm.
2: it's been changed magnolia golf and you know it was a very special tree for sev and of course his uh, ashes were scattered under under the magnolia tree in his estate in Pedrina uh, his love of magnolia lane and, and Two victories in the Masters and so forth. So, are they a tree quite-
1: with a particular, like they've got a lot of gaps in them that you could hit balls through, or is that, <laughs> is, that, uh, is that a characteristic oh, of the magnolia? Oh, no, dear. The thing
2: is, Adrian, he didn't need much of a gap. No, that's
1: exactly a chink, no a
2: chink, of, a, a chink of light, a sympathetic branch. No, he um, yeah. he could see it through, but um, no, he fell in love with the magnolia tree species. Mm. But um, mm. anyway, so. Uh, early bird special, $60 discount, and get your name in the book.
0: What date does it go to print? Because people will be listening to this at all. They're going to have to act quickly. So what date does it go to print? When have they got it until?
2: In 10 days, which would be, what is is it today? Uh,
0: The 13th of October, so 23rd. It'll be
2: around about the 22nd, 23rd of October. Don't doubt it. So there's a nine- to 10-day window that anyone who can send me an email, uh, they'll get their name in the book.
1: A ten ten day thing. You're putting Rod under pressure to actually publish this episode straight don't, away. So. Don't you dare. Oh, yeah,
0: it's gotta come out this podcast? This right, get is yeah. really it out this afternoon. Straight away. We should have gone live. Uh and you, all you need to do to be a part of that is email Paul at F for Freddy Swing, F swing at bigpond.net.au f-swing at bigpond.net.au I'll put the link in the show notes in the to show make notes. it
1: yeah.
0: easy for people to find but that's a yeah. no no not at all Paul it's a, a fabulous deal it's
1: literally the least he could do it
0: is literally the least I could do mm-hmm. and in, and as I said to you when we had our chat back in 2019 for the thing about golf your contribution to the game has been oh. fabulous with your architectural and with this book and we know we talked about it in that podcast we won't go into it again this has not built you a castle with a moat around it in Melbourne, it's not a money-making scheme. These mm-hmm. books—they are a legitimate <laughs> no. contribution to the game. And those of us who—I was thinking,
2: games, hell, but... I'm stuck in the moat. Yeah, <laughs> the moat. <that's> right. <laughs> no, but there's no castle. But, no, um, no. Look, um, look. Not a lot of money in what I do, but um, as far as satisfaction, um, there's, there's, it's pretty high. Mm. And uh, but it's a responsibility and a privilege I take seriously. And I think people will really enjoy the book. Um, those that have reviewed it have spoke, spoken glowingly about it. So that's, but of course the pressure is on with someone like Sev. You had to get it right.
0: Oh, of course, um, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely.
2: Had to be right, yeah. and uh, so there's been you know, plenty of sleepless nights. Let me assure you.
0: Yeah, in it. Look, in a digital age, Paul, books remain special. Mm. Books, people will still pick up books in thirty, forty, fifty, one hundred years' time. Mm-hmm. Blogs mm. and web pages and podcasts will come and go eventually, but books are something special. And I know they're expensive to produce, and they're certainly
1: expensive to produce the way you do them. Paul's In books really high are beautiful editions oh, as are. well. And I them. think it's a brilliant marketing thing, Paul, the way your golf course architecture books are presented. They look great as a set. Yes. With Thank the you. spines oh. all facing outward on a bookshelf. Yes. So it's irresistible for a lot of golf clubs to add to their library like yeah. that. I think it's a brilliant marketing thing.
2: That's lovely. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what colour we come up with um, Volume 8, um, which may be out August, September uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we've got to look at them as a set, and um, they do line up quite nicely. They're, they're not all the same. No, um, is it- they, they seem to have been getting thicker over the years, so I've got to keep an eye
0: <laughs> well, on that. <laughs> yeah, well, it, well it, it, it just tells you that the content is almost endless, isn't it, Paul? I mean, It you, is, you'd think but you'd it's like but a your, golf
2: course. Yeah. It's like a golf course. The boundaries are not finite. It's no. like people's um, mm. uh, bookshelves are not um, – yeah, uh, it is finite, you yeah. know, so I've got
0: to keep yeah. an eye on that. Yeah, indeed. Fabulous stuff. Well, Paul, your contribution, as I've said, has been fabulous to the game. This one will be special as well. I do urge people to get in touch with you and take advantage of that deal. They will be very glad they did so in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, as will their children and others. Have their name in the book. yeah, Get your name in the book. Oh. Extraordinary. Thank you. Without having to a write it, little a, piece of history. It's a little piece of, history. that's right. Normally, you got to write a book to get your name
1: in, and that really is hard work. <laughs> you, can, you can make yeah. out like it was some that's achievement right. later in life, like you point, point to your grandkids. Point, yeah, say, yeah, look, I'm in that book. That's exactly yeah. I'm in that book. It's <laughs> Who are, are all looks these looks other good. people?
0: Yeah. <laughs> my hope it was for the you. So, my hope for you, Paul, is that you have to make it more than two pages to fit all the names. Yeah. That
2: would That'd be, be not, wonderful. Yeah, and if we can have a slight delay uh, with the printing, that would be, <laughs> that would be a ni- <laughs> nice problem to have. It certainly would. Okay. So uh,
0: urge people. Is there a website where people can see some previous work? Is there anything they can see of the book visually before buying? Or
2: Look, as a Luddite um, come dinosaur, <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no website, unfortunately. Yeah. No, they can't they'll no.
0: but if they go and if they go and see some pictures online of the golf course architecture series of books that you've done, they'll get a taste of what sort of they'
2: get a taste, yeah if they google um, golf architecture a worldwide perspective um or even Paul Daly golf books um they they should get a good result there mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, indeed. I can't imagine anybody being disappointed with the final product. Paul, it's been fabulous of you to take some time today. Really enjoyed talking to you, as I did last time we spoke, and we will certainly uh, do it again at some point in the future. Architecture is I look forward to it. I look
2: forward to it, Rod. Thanks again, Rod, and and, uh, Adrian, for your time. It's been really enjoyable. Um, It's always great to chat with you and your listeners, and uh, you're doing your bit for golf. Absolutely be assured of that.
0: We're We're trying. We're trying. The local bloke's not doing much for the coffee world, so we've got to make a contribution. Oh. I yeah. <laughs> hate crime. Maybe, no, maybe we have a pleasure. coffee podcast pleasure.
1: as a little offshoot. <laughs> yeah, a, an instruction one for the bloke across the road. <laughs> give tasting notes on their coffee. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, great so, to chat, Paul. Nice. No,
0: great to have you on board today. Great to have you back in the studio. been really enjoyable. It has a totally yeah. different dynamic. It changes everything, and I'm glad that you're – It will sure uh,
2: does. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do it again for sure. Thanks for your time and your opportunity, and – and uh, in your indulgence, literally, it's been the, great.
1: literally the least we could do, Adrian. Thank you today, mate. Always been good. Thanks, Rod. And thanks very much, Paul. Brace yourself for a thanks,
2: flood of emails.
0: So. Let's hope so.
2: I hope so. Let's hope, I hope so. so.
0: That's it. Uh, good. Good golf podcast episode fifty-two. No, ninety. <laughs> it's just which podcast? Are you yeah, into? that's right. Which podcast? <laughs> yeah, good. Good golf podcast done for this week. <laughs> busy, we'll be... busy world broadcasting. We'll be we'll be back uh, next week with whatever the next episode is here on the Good Good Golf Podcast.